0: Hi, this is Steph Collegia of the UMass Women's Basketball Team. WMUA Sports has you covered for all your Minute Women basketball. Hello, everyone. Today is January 16th, and this is episode 33 of the UMass Women's Basketball Podcast. I'm Josh Schreiber alongside Andrew White and Chris Vogel, and welcome in, everybody. Andrew we'll start with you a disappointing LaSalle game where that we're coming off of we've got Loyola Chicago coming up tomorrow at home what what happened in the LaSalle game it felt like we were starting to make steps forward and all of a sudden a big step back
1: I, I think it's a thing where where the team just doesn't really know how to win when you're you know coming into a game three and thirteen you only have a few wins under your belt and then you play really well through the first half and, it, and it, it falls a little bit in the third quarter. And then there's just an all out collapse in the fourth. It's just a team that hasn't won much. So they they are still trying to figure out how to close out games and in a away gym and some hot shooters that got hot at the right time for the explorers. It was just a recipe uh, for disaster for this UMass team that looked to take a big step forward and instead uh, took it a couple steps back.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I think you've had a pretty good start to the conference slate. You got the win against Dayton, of course, and then you played a pair of pretty close games against top five projected teams of the A 10. Richmond pulled away from you late, but you hung around with a team that's got a shot of winning a conference title. You go to LaSalle, you're playing another team that is fighting to avoid playing games fighting for seating in the lower middle part of the bracket and you can't drop that one on the road you had the lead going into the fourth and just couldn't execute well down the stretch and it just shows their inability to succeed away from the mall center 3 and 3 at home but yet to find a win at, on the road or a neutral site which you're going to have to find a way to do that at some point if you want to salvage the season yeah and
0: you know I'll be honest I went into the game fully expecting this to be the game where umass they put it all together against a team that is not very talented not very experienced in LaSalle. and i thought this was going to be a game where they showed that they can separate themselves from the bottom of the a10 and i clear obviously they didn't do that but it felt like there was just very little energy in the building there were not a lot of people there for one it's a very old very hot arena where you know it it could be hard to really get that energy going and they just never found it and I kept finding myself looking at the stat sheet throughout the game and saying like how is this team shooting like 40 percent if from the field it feels like they've hit like 15 percent of their shots and then You go into the numbers, and, I mean, the first quarter kind of carried them. They shot over 55% from the field. Uh, They just hit two threes all game long, two for 14, which is a big difference from past games where they've been able to shoot, you know, around at least a 30% clip there. Uh, The third quarter, they came out sluggish. They only hit four field goals, three free throws. uh, and, And then in the fourth quarter, six for 17, 35%. It, that's just not going to get it done against a team in LaSalle that can hit the three. You know they're going to shoot the three constantly. They shot 36 threes uh, yesterday, which was one of the highs of the season. And they didn't even shoot it all that well. They shot 25%. But even then, UMass was just not able to you know stay disciplined, stay uh, focused, and keep the defensive energy up. Because this is a LaSalle team They they honestly should not have lost to.
1: Yeah and the the fourth quarter stats the six field goals was super inflated they didn't even they didn't even hit a field goal for nearly the first half of the quarter i think it was like 504 uh Bree Bellamy laid one in finally to get on the board and then a lot of those buckets kind of came at the end when they had to score really quick but the the stat that st- stuck out to me so much that I almost want to go back and watch the entire game to see if it's actually true. They had 18 offensive rebounds and only five second chance points. We talked about it before we started recording. That is unbelievable. How do you get 18 offensive boards and only get five points off of that? It it just, it it doesn't make any sense. And when you have such a height advantage and and players that rebounded the ball super, super well, like, Odenabo and Bellamy and uh, along with Kuleja crashing the offensive glass, you need more offensive production on, on, on offensive rebounds. And I think that's one of the bigger keys is they just couldn't hit a shot for their life, especially on the offensive glass.
0: Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't just threes. sorry, Chris, but real quick. It wasn't just threes that were, that they were missing, which I talked about. It was like, you mentioned, Andrew, five second chance points with 18 offensive rebounds. You know, you want that number to be at least 20, like, and think about it. If they do hit some of those layups coming off the offensive rebounds, they, even if they get that number up to say 15, uh, second chance points, they win this game easily, like fairly easily. This game, they lost by six points. A lot of that was just free throws at the end of the game. Uh, and, it limits so many transition points for LaSalle where they're able to get open threes in transition. They're able to get open layups. And you just completely get rid of that if you're able to hit some of those uh, second chance points and you know allow yourself
2: to get back into your defense. And they just weren't able to do it. Those second chance points should be some of the easiest in basketball too. Just think of where you're getting that on the rebound. You're right in the paint. You usually have a pretty decent look. And to put it in perspective, LaSalle had four less offensive rebounds than UMass. They had tripled the second chance points. That's the difference right there between a win and a loss on the, on the road. You can't give away – when they give you an extra possession, you got to take advantage. And, and
1: I assume there was plenty of frustration from Coach Leffler kind of in the post-game press conference and assumedly his conversation with the team. Because they did a lot of things well. They had 44 rebounds, which is – what I think is their season higher it's it's up there it's significantly higher than their average averaging under 30 a game and they also had 17 assists which is over their season average by a pretty significant margin and that's got to be really demoralizing to play a game that that is much improved stat wise than we've seen earlier in the season and and not come away with a win
0: yeah and I do want to bring up one point is that you know, Mike Leffler, obviously the head coach of this team, has said constantly before the season started, during the season, that he doesn't get on his players for, you know, making or missing shots. And it does feel like this game came down to just primarily missing shots. Now, if if you look at the stat sheet, that's what it looks like it came down to. If you watched it live and especially in person, you could feel that they're just really – I didn't, from my perspective, there didn't seem to be a lot of energy. Um, you know, a lot of the t- they didn't have big momentum shifting plays that really get, you know, the bench on their feet, get them yelling, stuff like that. We saw Tori Haidu Gan one, which is really one of the only times that it felt like UMass really, truly felt like they were in control and that they could win the game. Um, so, I think when you look at the stat sheet, it looks like it was primarily just missing shots, but it was a little bit more, you know, deep than that. Um, On the other, on the flip side of things, you look at the stat sheet and there were good things to look at that you feel like, you know, if they are able to hit their shots and they play like this, you know, it makes you feel much better about the, the future of this team. We have some impressive performances in this game on the stat sheet. Uh, when you look at players like Bree Bellamy players like Chennae Odenebo, who specifically do you guys think could use this game as kind of a platform to boost their game into the remaining conference schedule?
1: i think I think it was a really good performance from those two players that you mentioned who, have kind of struggled to really find their own identity for the team. Odenabo still getting her feet under her, having only played nine games now. Uh, Bellamy, who's played the entire season, but is looking to contribute more. I think this was a really important rebounding game for her. There's been kind of a struggle with team rebounding, where Kuleja was pulling in a bunch of boards, and then nobody else was really grabbing a significant amount. Now you got 10 from Odenabo and 9 from Bellamy and both with five offensive boards and that's a really good sign and and maybe you add on to that uh Lily Tallale. She's the tallest or aside from Odenabo the tallest player on this team and she's averaging like two rebounds a game. It's something you you want to see grow from the freshman who is such a good player. She's so impressive but She's got to do a little bit of the dirty work aside from from
2: scoring the ball. Yeah, I'd echo a lot of what Andrew said. I think Bellamy could be someone you look for. We mentioned those struggles to score on the second chance earlier. Maybe she converts a couple of those and her point totals up near 18-20 and all of a sudden looks like she had a monster game. And then I think you have to go back to Steph Kaleja. She had a great all-around game, great all-around player, obviously. 12 points, nine boards. Moved the ball well and was active on defense, three steals, so certainly somebody that UMass need to rely on going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I, of course, those players. When you have a player, a team like this in UMass, where you know there's not a lot of experience on the team, you're looking to see players just develop more and more and continue to get better instead of getting worse as the season goes on. So I do think we are seeing that. But one player who is quite experienced, actually, that I was impressed with uh, against LaSalle was Tori Hyduke. Um, I, I know the stat sheet doesn't pop out at you, uh, eight points, three assists, you know, just pretty solid, but the way her season has gone, it hasn't exactly been, you know, she, Alexia Rose kind of took over that starting point guard position from high Duke. And immediately we saw high Duke really look a lot more comfortable coming off of the bench, but we saw her shoot the three a little bit, one for three in the last game. We know that she is capable of being an absolutely knockdown shooter. I want to see how continue to get shots up on this team that, you know, they're going to be looking at someone to score the rock. Of course you have Kristen Williams, Steph Kuleja, who when she gets, when they both get their shots up, they tend to put up anywhere between 12 and 15 points, but they really need that third piece to come on. And we've seen Alexia Rose uh, do a lot of good work since like getting healthy, I could say. Um, but Tori Hajduk, we saw after that and one um, conversion she had that she really was fired up. And, you know, maybe part of that, coming back home, it's a big moment. Um, But also just, you know, you got to think as a grad student in your final year, maybe there's a little bit of frustration there for her of, like, she just hasn't gotten her shots to fall. And I think if she can get them to start to fall, which I fully believe she's capable of, that's just another layer of this team that, you know, you're able to have one point guard starting in Alexi Rose and another spark plug off the bench. It's just so big, especially if she can hit, you know, two, three, threes a
1: game. What's really cool about this team is that it has so many pieces that you can see are growing together as the season goes on. And it's a really good sign as the season continues. I mean, you lose by uh 14 to Richmond and it wasn't a 14 point game really. It was a, it was a tie game basically into the fourth quarter and, and Richmond then just took down URI, their top of the conference undefeated. And, and you see, or or you hope as, as the conference slate continues, those, those complete games can come together. And when you have so many pieces, you have that opportunity to have a starting point guard. That's, that's really solid with Rose and then Haidu coming off the bench and, her greatest strength is is her ball movement and, and lack of turnovers. She leads the team in assist to turnover ratio, and she's near the top of the conference. And then you you have players like Germany Map who hasn't played for six games. So there's another piece that will come back in, hopefully, by the end of the season. Lily Ferguson's missed a couple games straight now. It, 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 there's a lot of positive signs. The team's just got to put together games. That, that's that been the, the the biggest struggle you, you see games where they, they, they play a great half or a great quarter and then fall apart in a half or a quarter, like VCU and, and St. Louis. It, it, it's just, as the team continues to come together and build and get their feet under them with players returning from injury, you have more opportunity to, to get more production from more
2: people that can bring wins to the table. This year is just such an interesting year because it's a bunch of players that never played together coming into the year. There's, what, two or three returners from last year that mostly did not play significant minutes. So we all we talked about the non-conference this year. doesn't mean as much as it did last year because you're not going to be playing for that large. But it was an opportunity for this team to grow and play together. And you're starting to see that pay some benefits in conference play. They need to find a way to take that next step because it feels like they've been close to making that leap the last couple of games, but they need to hit that next level. if They want to be competitive down the stretch. And you talk about coming down
0: the stretch. Obviously, UMass is looking to stay out of those pillow fight games early on. And this loss to LaSalle certainly will hurt that, but they will play them again at home later on in the season. But in the near future, UMass tomorrow at 6 PM at the Mullen center will face quite possibly the weirdest team in the entire Atlantic 10 conference in Loyola Chicago. And for a little bit of a recap on, you know, how Loyola Chicago has played this year, they are 8-8 on the season, 2-3 in the conference. And you can try to make what you want out of their schedule, but it has been very strange. They opened opened their conference play at St. Bonaventure and lost that game by 12. St. Bonaventure has pretty much been the consensus worst team in Atlantic 10 for really a couple of years now. But uh, specifically this year, they have been ranked last in most polls in the A-10. They then went back home against St. Louis and beat the Billikens. Uh, Then they went to Dayton, lost to them. And just keep in mind, UMass beat Dayton pretty easily, lost to St. Louis in a close one. And then they beat Rhode Island at home, who a lot of people think that Rhode Island, I mean, they were the, number one uh, ranked team in the Atlantic 10 coming into the season in all of the polls. Uh, And then they got absolutely demolished at home by VCU. So who knows what's going to happen here? If, if it goes, you know, in this pattern of loss, win, loss, win, loss, then technically they would be, you know, in a pattern to win against UMass. But, you know, this is a Loyola Chicago
2: team that is certainly dangerous. It's interesting. So they, they actually beat St. Louis in that one in conference play. So they beat three of the top, probably four or five teams going into the schedule Yeah, going in. But then like, even if you look at their non-conference, it's like that they beat Northwestern who aren't a great team, but they're still a big 10 team. And then they'd go get blown out by DePaul, lose to Brown. Just kind of an interesting stretch where it was, you don't know which team's going to show up which on any given night for LaSalle. It's been the whole season of, they look like a top team somehow. And then they look like one of the worst teams in the country, and there's just no consistency. And you also look at that Iowa game.
0: You know, sure, they ended up losing by 29 points, but they were only down by five at the half. So they they were in the game against a top three team in the country. So, you know, they're capable of putting together some really solid performances. Uh, They're led by their transfer grad student, Alyssa Fisher, who is their leading scorer, as well as some, Returners as well in Sam Galanopoulos and Satori Tannen, who uh, you may remember Satori Tannen as, you know, making it close against UMass last season in Loyola Chicago. She had 17 against Sam Breen, Cindy Taylor, Destiny Filoxi, and the Minute Women there. So, a team like Loyola Chicago, what does UMass need to do to take down, you know, a team that is certainly capable of? of losing to just about anybody
1: you gotta make shots and it's it's obviously a a super basic way to look at it but the home gym advantage where you know Loyola's gotta gotta go on a pretty long trip up to Amherst and maybe you get some heavy tired legs and who knows how travel got affected with the snowstorm that we have right now if they either got delayed or if they they were able to fly through it but you gotta defend the home court and and they've shot the ball really well at home as of late and you gotta stay hot and continue that streak after a couple rough shooting games away
2: you got to win the first, you got to win the third quarter. You got to start fast at home. And this is a team that's, and later in the game, this is a team that struggled to come out of the break in UMass a couple times. They need to find a way to not let the energy go down once they hit that locker room. They need to find a way to start with the second half strong as well. Loyal is a team they can beat, they should beat, and they need to beat at home.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it's it's easy to feel down about this UMass team where they're, they are, of course, 3-14 and on the year, one and four in the conference, zero oh and eight on the road, but at home they are three and three. And uh, we were talking before LaSalle about how it looks like this UMass team is starting to play like what Coach Leffler envisioned for them. That huge win against Dayton, where they really dominated that game, uh, especially after say the second quarter. Um, a big game against St. Louis, where you know they looked like a very capable team, and again against Richmond took a step back at LaSalle, but, you know, this is still a team where when they are playing their brand of basketball, you know, I like their chances to play with anybody in the Atlantic 10. Maybe not win the game, but if you go against a team like Richmond and, you know, they had the lead at some points in that game, that that is the best team in the Atlantic 10, at least right now, undefeated in Richmond, where you got to feel good about what this team can do. Um, in a situation where you know they they have a lot to play for so I think this Loyola Chicago game if they're able to bounce back from LaSalle we will feel so much better about them going into the remainder of the schedule um, a little bit of a preview for that remainder of the schedule they do play Loyola Chicago which one reason why I think it's going to be a huge game is because of their schedule after that they've got to Play at home against George Mason, who, you know, if Richmond's not the best team in the conference, George Mason certainly might be. Uh, And then after that, they've got Davidson uh, on the road, Rhode Island on the road before they, you know, get LaSalle back at home. So this is going to be a big stretch of games for UMass, where if they can win against Loyola Chicago, you just kind of want them to win one against either George Mason, Davidson or Rhode Island. Um, where you know they're gonna be heavy underdogs in all three of those games, but um, if you could steal one of those away, it, it's such a big momentum shifter.
1: Yeah, th- this game tomorrow is is huge because because of those next three coming up. Because you're playing three teams that are competing for the double by a Davidson team that has looked really really good, a George Mason team that's been a big surprise, and Rhode Island seems to always play a little harder in this, uh, you know, New England rivalry. But an interesting stat that I think will be pretty impactful as the season goes on is that UMass hasn't had a player eclipse 20 points this season in a game. They've had 19, I think, four times. Kuleja got it uh, once, and then Kristen Williams has done it three times. It, it's honestly kind of crazy, and we saw last year how 20 points a game from two players was the norm. But you got to find an X factor. The team still kind of lacks that. And, and although Kuleja leads the team in points, total field goals, field goals a game, rebound blocks, steals and minutes, I still feel like she has more in the tank that she can give. And I think it'll help if there's better play all around, but someone's got to step into that role of being like the primary scorer. When it comes down to the fourth quarter, when games are close, someone's got to be the one that, that looks to get the shot. And, and I know Kristen Williams and Kuleja can do it, but just need to see it actually happen.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. So it is going to be a, hopefully a fun next stretch for UMass. Uh, This has been our first show in quite a while for, uh, women's basketball. We're going to try to bring them back to at least weekly, um, and we'll be back at the quarters soon enough with Coach Leffler. So, uh, if you're tuning in, be sure to check out the Spotify for other uh, shows that we've done with WMUA, covering you know all of the major sports and trying to get uh, even more involved as the second semester uh, rolls along. So, thank you so much for joining us here. Josh Schreiber alongside Andrew White and Chris Vogel. We'll see you next time.